Welcome to the Beauty Business Strategies Podcast, where we give salon, spa, and med spa owners quick tips to make more money, inspire your team, and create world-class client experiences. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Yost, and you are listening to the Beauty Business Strategies Podcast. Again, love uh, hanging out with all of you again. Uh, as you know, we always try and have great guests. We always have and try and have cool topics. And today is no different. Cool guest, cool topic. Uh, and so our guest today, we are joined by Valerie Tate. Valerie, how are you? I'm better now that we're talking. It's a great Monday. It's <laughs> what I like to hear. That's what I like yes. to hear. Absolutely. So uh, we've got some really great conversation today. Um, as I always do, though, before we get going, um, I always love our guests when I have them is to give themselves just a good introduction. So that way, all of our listeners, if you're not familiar with Valerie, uh, get yourself familiar, let me tell you. Um, but if you're not, give you a little bit of insight, give you a little bit of background on on her and, and the company that, that she's uh, a part of and whatnot. So Valerie, give us a, give us an intro. Yeah, well, I probably met a few of you last year at my very first strategies conference, which was amazing. Um, we had a really great time and we're looking forward to being back this year. Um, so my name is Valerie. I started Sustain Beauty Co. about six years ago now. Um, we started with bringing in EcoHeads North America. So um, many of you are probably familiar with EcoHeads. Um, it was a moment that in, in my career where I was really looking for a way to do something better for the industry. So I've been in the industry since the early 2000s, um, done technology, done marketing, done tons of things. And I really wanted to do something better for the industry. So we started by bringing in EcoHeads and we realized that this, you know, wonderful tool in the salon kind of like sparked a few different questions. And the one was, how can something that improves the service also be better for the planet? So it was kind of this like light bulb moment that, wow, okay, there's a huge perception out there that doing something better for the planet should sacrifice in the service. So that's when Sustain Beauty Co. was born. Um, and at its heart, Sustain Beauty Co. is an education company. So what we do, our function, our purpose for being is we look for sustainable tools that fit a certain criteria for um, the salon. So it has to be better for the planet kind of in the name. And then also we want it to be better for the stylist. So there's a huge wellness component that we focus on. It has to be better for the health and wellness of the stylist. It also has to be better for the service. There has to be a good outcome because no professional stylist is going to actually sacrifice the quality of their outcome. And then also they have the company has to be purpose-driven, right? So it has to be, its existence for living needs to be to be better for the planet, the people, and also the business. So that's what we do. We basically look for different brands, typically overseas. We do find a lot of innovation overseas, and then we bring it into the U.S. and Canada, and we introduce it to salons and help educate them on just how they can be a more sustainable business. Awesome. Love it. And, you know, like Valerie said, and again, a lot in there. We're going to unpack some of that for sure, uh, but a lot in there, but at the core which is one of the primary reasons why I wanted to have Valerie on is the fact that, as she said, Sustain is a, is an is an education based company, and uh, we want to be able to share. As you expect when you when we have these conversations and we do these podcasts, we expect to gain some learning and some insight and some and some growth and some things of that nature. Some uh, maybe some light bulbs or some things we can apply. And who knows what we're going to get out of today, but it's going to be awesome. 
Uh, I know that for sure. So let's kind of dive into it then. Uh, and again, I want to stay especially because it is so relevant right now with uh, with where we are, uh, just kind of as a culture and uh, and overall. Um, I want to talk about uh, that wellness aspect and sustainability aspect. Uh, so tell me how you see. Tell me, Valerie, how you see that. In the industry right now, like wellness and sustainability, do you feel like, I guess my first question might be is, do you feel like it's more embraced now than ever before? Or is it kind of like where, like, what have you seen just in the last, like, say, you know, five to 10 years, possibly about attitudes and approach and whatnot? It's so interesting you say that because um, I just last week had a conversation with somebody that I originally introduced EcoHeads to. I want to say about 10 years ago. And his response was, I live in Michigan. I have tons of water. Like, why would I be concerned about saving water? And I just last week had a conversation with him and he's like, yeah, we're interested in bringing them in because they understood that, you know, water is not an infinite resource, A. But also, I really think it was pressure from the actual stylists and the salon managers and the clients. So, the attitude has dramatically shifted in, especially after COVID, because there was there's a greater awareness. So I think there's that's two things, right? There's awareness because during the shutdowns and everything, everyone kind of like took pause and they kind of realized that when commercial activity paused, the earth started to regenerate, right? And that was kind of like, oh, really? Um, and it became a light bulb, I think, for everybody around us and in different ways. And secondly, I think generational shifts are starting to occur in the workplace, right? So um, younger generations, there's no secret that they have a greater visibility. They grew up during globalization. They grew up during this awareness about climate change. So they do have a greater affinity towards those topics. So I think we're starting to see dramatic shift five to 10 years, and it's going to continue to go that way. Um, when you, you have the greater mass of purchasing power in the salon, more aware of these topics. So um, I'm starting to see a lot of people that originally were kind of on the edge or maybe it wasn't high up on their priority list. Not to say that they were, you know, denying any sort of, you know, pollution, you know, climate change stuff. It's just it wasn't high on their list. And we're starting to see that kind of circle back around. Right. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I was saving for myself. It's, you know, um, I think my level and awareness about you know, thinking about what can you do that's that's right um, has certainly changed, you know, over my, you know, as I get older and and things of that nature. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that you do realize, like I look back at myself and I look back at where I worked, um, you know, uh, now, I mean, I'll just for, for perspective, um, I'm 54 years old. When I first got into the hairdressing industry, uh, I was in my early 20s you know, that kind of thing. So I look back then and I think about where I worked then and there was no thought or conscious nature at all to any of the, like recycling wasn't really a word. I mean, it was, but you're like, whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? That's for like, you know, cans and and whatnot. It's not for what we do. And now you look at how far it's coming, whether, and I'll, I'll be very blunt, whether you're listening out there and I think whether you're like fully embrace it at a super high level or not, it's, I think there's the awareness is heightened for everybody, you know, in all levels. So I, I want to, I'm interested, I'm going to ask you, because this hit me as you were sharing, you know, um, 
when you think about something like, for example, like uh, your, you know, your the the heads for the the sinks eco heads, right? Yeah. Uh, when you think about those, what does someone see on a savings for something like that? Like, what's the difference, like water wise and usage wise and things like that? And what what do you see for that? So it's interesting because that's actually when I first brought in eco heads, I was you know like pretty pretty green, and my my whole purpose was I want to save water. Um, you know, I also grew up in Oregon, right, where there's tons of water. So it was never really a thing for me. But now I live in Southern California and we've had several, several droughts. So it became higher on my radar. Um, but when I first started bringing it in, I was just gung-ho about the water savings. I thought, oh my gosh, this is really going to win the hearts of everyone. And it and it frankly didn't. It, it really started with everyone wanting the filtered water because it filters and softens the water at the basin. So, you know, people started buying it. At first, I was like, oh, they don't care about the water savings. But then what happened was they circled back and they're like, hey, so um, I just noticed that my water bills dropped. And, you know, I think that what you were saying about that water savings was really interesting. So, I mean, EcoHeads is a really phenomenal tool. It does many, many things. And so I kind of circled around to, I actually really don't care why you buy it because now we are saving water. But um, the tool has been tested to save 65% of the water and energy that you typically use at the basin. And that your basins are the number one consumption of water and hot water, which is where the energy component comes in, in your salon. Laundry is number two. So um, the water, you use about 150 gallons per day per basin, and that's a lot. And so if you can save 65% of that, um, it's a phenomenal savings. And there's tons of issues across the U.S. Like there's um, a group of salons we tested in Boston um, early on with um, the National Grids, which is a utility company based out there. And so we actually installed a water gauge on the basins. We left it for two weeks. Okay, so with the standard nozzles, we installed a water regulator that told us how many gallons were used, left it for two weeks in both salons. And then we came back after two weeks, we installed the eco heads and we put them on the basins and we tested it for another two weeks. And it basically proved our third party endorsement so much that now the national grid pays to have those installed in any of their utility, you know, areas. So if you're up in the Northeast, call your utility company. It's actually quite probable you might be able to get them installed for you, which is the installation is just as good as the heads themselves. Um, they're pretty easy to install, but anything you can get done for free. So um, the savings are endorsed by several third parties within the U.S., outside the U.S. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we're saving just millions of gallons a year now with how many we've got installed. Love it. You know, and that's, you know, that, that actually is, you know, that's quite I mean, I'm sitting here listening to this, not knowing this information. I'm sitting here kind of receiving it probably like many are listening in that same way. It's like, whoa, 65%. And you think about the volume of that. And, and again, two things, two things immediately come to mind is, and you kind of alluded to, obviously you talked about one and alluded to the other is number one, the huge amount of savings just when it comes to just from a, we want to be sustainable. We want to do the best that we can for our our environment and things of that nature. So you got that factor, but you couple that with the fact that you know how that might translate into just your uh, just the pure you know your water bill and expenses and whatnot, utilities and that kind of thing. It's a huge. I mean, this has a huge impact 
you know, just around the fact that, uh, you know, we'll just talk directly about it, the most direct pipeline also just to that profitability conversation. Mm -hmm. So you've got something, you know, that can impact, you know, in multiple ways. As you think about though, going back to staying on the idea of, you know, wellness and sustainability um, and whatnot, you know, obviously you share kind of the impact of just the, the eco heads. Um, what are other things that you look at that salons, again, because those statistics kind of, you know, kind of blew me away. Give me a couple, I want one or two more that are also going to blow me away and you probably got them. Um, <laughs> but like, what are one or two other things? I will tell you this, I'm going to try and I don't know if there's a huge savings on this one or not, but I will say, uh, when I, the, the product that intrigued me the most was the one that dispensed the foil, um, oh, at one touch or whatever, um, mm -hmm. That do that product alone just was like I'm like I need to do hair again just to have that toy, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But what other? Maybe that's one of them. Maybe it's not. But what other things? As we look at it, the same way you talk about the eco heads, something that can be good for us as far as just wellness sustainability, but also something that then would have that also that good for us when it comes to just hey, listen, this helps with just the profitability as well. What's what are what would be the second or third one that comes to your mind as well that could have a similar impact that we might not think about? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I I think that I mean my business in the industry has always been you know like I've always focused on profitability, how to run a better business, a marketing background. So it's hard for me to do anything that doesn't touch on that somewhere. Um, you know whether that's advising on technology or maybe best practices with marketing, um, but. With sustainability, everyone seems to be really surprised when they realize that there is a real organic link between sustainability and profitability. And that's because at its heart, sustainability is about conserving, right? We should only be using what we need to use. And waste is a huge part of where you are losing out on your bottom line, right? So if we're using more color, more foil, or even more labor than we really need to, that's eroding your bottom line needlessly, right? So, um, you know, the pink color mixer, it's it saves up to 30% of your color. So that's another product from the EcoHead line that people love, huge fan favorite, pays for itself in 45 days or less, depending on how much color you do. But imagine 30% less color used on every application. Um, that's that's a huge savings. ProCare, um, you're not using labor to cut and fold your foils. It's done for you. Um, scrummy, you're not paying people to fold your laundry. So there's tons of things that every product line that we bring in touches on that looks at how can we do business better, more profitably, and therefore sustain the business as well. So there's tons of things that go into thinking through whether something's truly sustainable or not. And you can't have a sustainable future if you're not also thinking about economic viability, right? You have right. to be in business to do good things in the planet. Right. No, that's you nailed it. And I mean, I love the connection, you know, that you make that again, sustainability and profitability are not, uh, they are, they are tied together. These are not, ex you know, one is not exclusive of the other. You know, yeah. it's, you know, and so I love that, you know, making this connection to it. And like I said, just talking about, like I said, talking about, you know, less water usage, better overall, 
talk about, you know, color usage, you know, that that's certainly relatable. I'm, I'm from the era and some people will get a, ch- uh, get a, a charge out of this and a smile. I'm from the era where I grew up in the time where it was like, Oh, I'm going to just cut down on waste. We're going to show how much waste there was. And uh, I was the time where it was such a big fad to jump, dump all your unused color product into a bucket. And you can see how much is in there, how much we wasted, you know, kind of thing. And I'm not going to lie. Not only was I on the receiving end of that, but I also was the owner that also was like, I'm going to show them how much they waste, you know, when I was early in business ownership myself. And and, uh, you know, now to, to look and go again, it's always been, I mean, it's always been there. We always recognize this waste factor, but now I think we see waste in two different, like I said, kind of two different ways, you know, not only is this waste bad for mm-hmm. us environmentally, yeah. uh, but also bad for us profitably. And some of these yeah. have direct connections. So, so I love, you know, I, I love that you made such a great point of that, you know, I'm interested I want to take a little side turn here. It was something that as we were just kind of talking uh, in, in preparing for this call that um, I hadn't thought about, but you brought it up. And I think this is something that could be really a, something positive for everyone listening. And you talked about your background in marketing. I'm going to go marketing direction on this, right? Um, you talked about you know y- your passion and background in marketing and whatnot. What are some of the things you would share with those listening that might want to get the word out or market our business in a different way? Because that's, I mean, part of it, right, is how do we stand out from others? And there's so many similar messages out there. But I think when we talk about marketing, too, uh, I also think of it as not only are we trying to attract clients or things like that, but maybe possibly also the messages we send out also attract you know, potential future hires to us as well. So I'm intrigued to just kind of hear your thought on what you see happening marketing wise. That's just like, you know, um, and this could be around wellness and sustainability or completely, completely off track, but like, where are we going right with marketing out there? And maybe where are we going wrong and how can we market ourselves better? And especially in the areas of sustainability, possibly, uh, and you know, where you focus. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I think everyone listening is going to be expecting me to say something about social media and I will, but not in a positive light. Right. So um, I actually wrote curriculum for how to use Facebook and Instagram back in the day for manufacturers. So I wrote some of the first programs in the industry on how to use social media. And man, does that feel ancient now because it's changed so much. Um, But I mean, right now we're in the middle of, you know, mental health awareness month. And there is a lot of coverage around mental health and social media. But as it pertains to us in the salon, I think um, we're in a burnout industry, right? You're taking so much emotion from your guests all day long that that takes a huge load. And so we actually created a checklist um, a while back that's a sustainability checklist. But there's a whole section dedicated to how to avoid that burnout and of the hustle culture. So really, when we're talking about generations or, you know, how easy it is to burn out in our industry, um, we think about how can we take some of that mental load and then also come back a little bit from social media. Because stylists are all out there on social media hustling, 
drumming up new clients. That's part of what we ask them to do in marketing the salon and our services. But what we're seeing is that that's just adding somewhat to the noise and maybe isn't necessarily the most effective for the future looking business. Some of the things we're seeing that's most um, effective in also hiring and retaining staff is things like community activism, right? So getting out there and doing things within the community, not only does that actually show the you know purpose-driven generation that this is a company I want to be with, um, but it also attracts the you know future clients as well. So community activism, um, promoting yourself with your purpose. So we have a whole toolkit that we actually have available for free on our website. You can download, it's got 30 different prompts on how you can talk about sustainability as part of your marketing. It's got website descriptions, email marketing tools, all that stuff. And it's really looking at just putting your purpose out there. Let's say you're not really sustainable at all. Um, That's fine because you're actually thinking about it. You're listening to this podcast, therefore you are on the path somewhere. But I can guarantee Every single person listening is doing something that's sustainable, right? Maybe you just installed some new, you know, faucets that are water sense approved. Maybe you did it for the tax credit. Who cares? You did something that's using less water. Therefore, you should turn that into one step on the path, right? So um, there's been a lot of studies that have done um, around where people are putting their dollars. And that's really how they vote for their businesses, right? 76% of Gen Z will change businesses based on whether they have a sustainable purpose or not. So that right there is your number one tip you can take away from today is if you are looking to market your business, having a purpose, whether that's being eco or not, sustainability is also about mental health. Sustainability is also about um, equality. Sustainability is about a lot of things, but just having a purpose and marketing that purpose as all of your marketing efforts, that's your number one you know, takeaway. Is that going to make you a much better business in terms of acquiring new talent and new clients? Yeah. I, I mean, I love what you shared. So much that you know you shared in there. And just so you know, I already know people are, because you mentioned it, uh, I was going to have you talk about it. Now I'm just going to make everyone wait till the end anyway, uh, <laughs> although they wouldn't be hard to find you. But you mentioned that, you know, on your website, I was going to, you know, I was already thinking it when you're talking about your product and things like that and talking about that checklist uh, component tree. I think that's awesome resources. And again, we'll make sure that we got the clear website uh, for you guys at the end where you can go and check all this stuff out. Because again, we got great resources. And again, this just goes back to you, you now know uh, easily why I wanted to have Valerie, you know, on as a guest because you know, what we're getting is other places to receive great education and great tools that we can put to our use. So take some of these tools. But I what I what I really latched on to was, you know, at the end, they're especially talking about just that idea of mental health and whatnot. You know, that has been such a big deal, I think, especially, especially, you know, I'll say even post-COVID, the awareness around you know, just mental health in general. It's always been out there, but now people finally really much more openly talking about it much more openly. You know, it doesn't have that, that, you know, I shouldn't say it doesn't have, but the stigmas are are breaking down on that. The barriers are breaking down. What, 
what would have never been talked about when I was in my 20s and 30s are easily talked about now in a way that feels safe and in a way that, you know what I mean, uh, yeah. is is open for conversation. And I think that, you know, you bring that up. So I love the fact you talked about purpose. I, I had uh, was talking, um, actually did a little uh, doing some blurbs on the side for, for us at Strategies. And I was talking about if you want a magnet for your business that attracts people, I was talking about culture. Culture is your magnet. But yeah. there is that connection with that magnet of, of that, your culture, your purpose, like you were alluding to, uh, those kind of things, those are magnets that absolutely draw. And the, the stat that you shared around, what'd you say, 70%, did you say, did I hear it right, 70%? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of Gen Z will, you know, We'll look at, give, give that again, because I want to misquote 76%, it. 76%, yeah, 76%. It was a Deloitte study. And what, you know, it's it's funny, because everyone's like, very Gen Z, Gen Z. And, you know, it is it is a pressure coming into your business. It, you had talked about, you know, how it's pressuring people to have more work-life balance, and 32 is the new 40-hour work week. There's a lot of things that Gen Z is doing to our businesses that we're needing to react to at a faster rate, because they're coming into the workforce, Right. Um, but also what I thought was interesting by that about that Deloitte study was it showed the evolution of other generations, right? So it used to be all about the millennials, right? About the millennials, you know, wanting, you know, action on climate um, change, et cetera. Now Gen Z is that new generation, but it showed changes, not just in Gen Z, but millennial, Gen X, and boomers. They're all shifting that way. They're all wanting to see, not perfection. They're not looking for perfection. They're looking for action. That's all they're looking for. Hmm. What would you say? So you said they're all looking for actions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to kind of go, well, your opinion, what actions do you think they're looking for? I think they're looking for intention, right? And, and not greenwashing, you know, because they, they People can sniff that out so fast. Trust me, I'm in the I'm in the business of sustainability. They, they can sniff it out, you know. So like there is, um, th- there's just got to be intention. So I we do a study every year. So we did it do it every year in January, and it, it's surveying our our customers. So we sent it out to about, about fourteen thousand people. Their stylists, their salon leaders, and we asked them questions around kind of a what are you doing? What is most important to you? And that kind of clues us into what we should be researching on their behalf. Um, But we also ask what's important to them when they're, you know, partnering with brands. And we ask them whether they would be willing to change their, um, their products in favor of something that is more sustainable, all things being held equal, performance, etc. And about 60% of them said they would look at it. They would definitely look at it. Um, And then we also asked them how important it was that they, how important it was for them to actually be doing something better for the planet. And we, and that was about half, but then we asked them how important was it that they were trying or they had posted something about their sustainability purpose. It was 84%. 84% of stylists and salon leaders said it was extremely or very important for the brands that they work with to be doing something towards sustainability. And so it's just the intention, right? It's just right. you saying, hey, I've got a stake in the ground. I do care about this. And like I said, sustainability is really broad. 
it doesn't have to be super waste warrior or eco, you know, doesn't have to be super crunchy granola. It can be something right. towards the future. Just put your stake in the ground and state your goals and your intentions and do one thing a month. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It just needs to be progress. I think that's, you know, I think that's really fascinating, you know, that you bring up I think too many businesses in general get caught up into, I've got to do everything at a hundred miles an hour. Uh, I've got to do everything, you know, at least 90% of the time, you know, kind of thing, or I feel like I failed it or I feel like, or, or they, they don't even do anything going. If I can't do it at a hundred miles an hour, 95% of the time, then I'm not going to do it because it's all or nothing. Yeah. And I think that what you're just sharing there is very powerful from the standpoint of now it's not what it's about. It's about an intent to do something is better than, you know, doing nothing or talk about how we want to do X, Y, and, but nothing ever happens, you know, yeah. because we hold ourselves back from going, well, you know what I mean? Like say, it's got to be done at this super high. No, it's like, I think, I think people and when I say people, I mean, you know, team members, you know, that are, you know, their clients, whatever, are just looking for, like I said, that intent and mm-hmm. some action and are very forgiving of the fact that it doesn't have to always be perfection. Yeah. Um, yep. So. Yeah. And I think it's important to remind ourselves, too, that it doesn't have to be perfection. You know, like, it, it's funny, um, a friend of mine who who um, runs a forum of thousands of stylists. Um, you know, I asked her, like, could you just ask how many in that forum identify as a eco or green stylist? And she said, Usig. And this was a sustainable brand as well. So you'd assume that a lot of the stylists and the and the salon owners in that crowd would have been at least doing pretty darn good, right? And not one person raised their hand. And it was kind of an aha for me because I think nobody wants to raise their hand and say they're sustainable because they're afraid of being told what they're not doing, Mm. not showcasing what they are doing. And, you know, I think that's a real fear. I mean, Earth Day for me sometimes can be a little depressing until I'm like, slap myself out of it. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. What do you preach, Valerie? You preach progress, not perfection. And so, you know, I think it's important to remind ourselves that um, this is not about perfection because that doesn't exist. We are learning so much every single day about what it takes to be sustainable. And it is not easy. We are not going to get to net zero emissions tomorrow or in 10 years. This is progress. So doing your best and also forgiving yourself when you do something you thought was better and then you learn it wasn't, and then you keep trying, right? That's all you can do. Um, you can only do what's in your control. And, you know, I do think it's important that you do celebrate what you are doing and not be afraid of learning or having people point out, oh, you could be doing this a little different. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great advice for a lot of businesses out there and for myself and, and you know, everyone, that idea of progress, not perfection. Every day is just a progress piece. And I think that, like you brought it up perfectly. I think too many people worried about the fact that, well, I don't raise my hand because, you know, I'm not doing enough. But the fact is, it, again, it's just 
what steps can you do? And it, it, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh gosh, I'm afraid of getting called out and what I'm not doing. I think Mm -hmm. that's great business advice in general is the fact that you can, you can apply that idea that I think as you think about, you know, as you think about why teammates do and don't share in your environment or things like that, just around your day to day, everything from, you know, uh, the systems of your company from retail and pre-booking and retaining and uh, all of that to whatever, right? Doesn't matter. It's, are they not participating because they're more afraid of what they're not doing instead of what they are doing? And that's yeah. going to be the focus, you know, like, oh gosh, Michael's got to talk to me. And it's about what I'm not doing instead of what I am doing. So yeah. I think yeah. that's very powerful. Um, you know, man, we so many things that we've kind of, you know, shared through here. Is there anything more, you know, we've had a lot of discussion around, you know, some generational and whatnot in there. Anything more, any other generational observations to share, whether it's Gen Z or millennials or or X or boomers or, or whatnot, any other observations that you have, uh, you know, from a generational perspective that you've noticed? Well, I do know that, I mean, I think our our industry suffered from, um, you know, a lack of future professionals coming in. Like this has not been, A, this is this has happened before, right, in previous generations where there's just like a lull in graduating future professionals, which puts a pressure on the salon when it comes to, you know, recruiting. Um, and recruiting this generation, this newer generation coming out of school is is different, right? We are have all noticed this. And things that we have done for years and generations, things like new recruits coming in and being an assistant, for example, and the things that assistants used to do, it's just different now. Like there is no sort of, you know, you got a trial by fire. Everybody has to sweep and everybody has to fold towels and everybody has to fold foils. Like those things, there's an app for that. You know, there's an app for that generation, right? They are going to think of things differently every single time. And so things that we just assume, oh, we've got an assistant to do that, that's lost labor. We have to start thinking about that. The time they invest in your salon is time that they're thinking in their mind with work-life balance being the background. They're thinking this is time that I'm not spending elsewhere. So their time with you is precious. So when you look at the top five things Gen Z looks for, when they're looking for who they're going to spend their time with, work-life balance, career development, diversity and inclusion, they're going to be looking for purpose and impact and flexibility. So from an employer's perspective, you know, that's got to be part of your strategy. And you also need to embrace how they look at that time. So the age-old, every assistant comes in and they fold towels. Well, maybe they're actually going to be looking for better ways of doing those things. Okay. Also, ripping foils. Is there a better way to do that? Start looking for innovation that's going to help them spend their time in your business a little bit better. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, you know, I think that again, it's it's something we definitely have seen out there. Um just for the sake of locking it in so people aren't on the rewind or whatever, because I know people are going, what were those five things again? What were those five things? Because everyone, the first time they heard was nodding and going, yes, yes. And then they're like, wait a second, what was that again? Because I think that, like I said, there is a tremendous amount of relevance and awareness that we need to have around that. So the, the five that you shared, 
work-life balance, uh-huh. career development, diversity and inclusion, flexibility, and purpose and impact. So, I mean, some of those are intertwined. And, and you and I were talking about that earlier as well in some of this, this coaching that you do, Michael. And I think it's it's something that we need to get our heads around because it, it puts pressure on the business to change. Change is not fun for anybody. But, you know, I think some of the businesses I see doing best at attracting those Gen Z are people that are looking for innovation, right? Are looking for ways to adapt because you have to adapt. We have to change, right? Because these are going to be our the majority of our workforce very soon. So, you know, looking for ways to adapt and appeal in a way that's still profitable is is very important. It's going to be the crux of most of our conversations, you know, but an easy place to start is just to rewind and really think about why did I start this business? Like, what is my why? And then put your stake in the ground around your why and make that your purpose. And then, you know, I think a lot of us in just general could, could do that. And then that becomes your purpose and that becomes your ground. Well, it's funny, as we said, you made me think about flexibility in a way I hadn't thought about before as you, I kind of processed that. Because again, I think flexibility is one of those things that when we hear it, we immediately think, oh, they just want to come and go as they please. You know, I can hear it. I mean, I can hear me. Let's put it that way. All right. I'm, really, I blame on other people, but I can hear me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh, they just want to come and go as they please. And 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 they want that work-life balance and and yada, yada. But you said two other things to me that are equally powerful. They want, um, you know, that purpose and impact and they want career development. And if you think about those two things, if that's the five top things, don't get focused on work-life balance and don't get focused on flexibility in a negative way. Maybe flexibility just means, and, and you've maybe think about this in a different way as just through this listening is Maybe that just means, listen, like I said, the, the days of like me ripping foil or doing this, it's not that those things are done or that's past or I don't, or even I don't want to do that. I'm better than that. I don't think people are looking at it that way because they don't know differently. Mm-hmm. But what they might be looking for is flexible ways to do that job differently. Yeah. And maybe what we as business leaders have not done of my, and I'll blame my generation for it. All right. Um, as that cusp of the boomer that I'm at the tail end of the boomer, but, and the, oh, I can't believe I said that um, <laughs> at the cusp of that, it's like, good Lord. Um, you just looking for things that you do differently. Like I gave this example the other day, my father hairdresser by trade as well. That man worked 70 hours a week. And he probably looked at me like I was lazy when I only wanted to work 40 hours a week. Yep. You know, because mm-hmm. his, his, you know, he left at 6 a.m. and came home at 8 p.m. And that's what he did every day. And I watched it and the whole deal and uh, never watched a man take a sick day um, and, and the whole deal. It just was what it was. And it probably looked at me and was like, this generation, so lazy, you know. Yeah. But the fact is, I looked for different ways to do it, but still felt like I would never say I didn't work hard. But I just yeah. look for different ways to do it. I think we got to apply that same level here with flexibility just might mean being flexible in how we approach something, a yes. task, a job, a way to do something, not so because if they want career development and they want to have impact, that means they are concerned, maybe at a higher level than 
than other generations in some way, shape or form. But, you know, if that's their biggest thing, it's like, that's what we want to see. We're just not seeing it the way we want to pro. We got to take off our glasses and process it from a different lens. Totally. Because they could be saying the same things we're saying, just different language. Totally. And they approach things so differently too. And in, in much more efficient ways in some ways, like my friend who is, um, she does consulting like small groups for salons where around branding. Right. And so she had her assistant who's Gen Z. She's like, Hey, I've got 10 people. I need five blank sheets of paper, um, for 10 people. So 50 sheets. And so she goes away and five minutes later comes back with this stack of paper. She's like, first of all, how did you count 50 sheets? Like, are you sure you counted them right? And she's like, wait, why are, why are these warm? And what she'd done is this Gen Zer went out, printed 50 sheets, printed them. Like you and I would have sat there and like ridiculously yes. counted 50. No, she went out and she printed 50 and had the machine do it for her. Right? Genius. Like I was like, oh, when that, when I heard that. But that's what this generation is doing. They think of faster, more efficient ways to do it because they value their time so much that they want to get forward to the things that aren't career development, that are work life. You see what I mean? Like they're yeah. thinking more efficiently. So, well, I, I love that. And, you know, not to bring this in and like so we're way too late in this podcast already to bring up a whole nother topic, but I'm about to. Um, but and, and if your eyes light up, we're just going to have to, you have to table this for another conversation, which you'd be happy to have. Um, but you look at things you just brought up like faster ways, different ways to do it. You look at what's going on. If you are not, and again, uh, if you are not aware of what's happening with artificial intelligence and like right. chat GPT and some of these things, I'm just telling you, you, you got to get aware, um, yeah. because it is on, it is it is at our door right now. It's not a, now it scares the absolute crap out of me um, because of what it can do in its infancy um, and whatnot. But at the same time, it's so exciting to be like, whoa, because I mean, Mm -hmm. you can write blogs and you can write posts and things like that, that would normally take you, you might take you 60 to 90 minutes to do. And literally in two minutes, you can have it generated for you in the language that you want, with the inflection that you want, with the tone that you want, with a little bit of few minor edits and modifications at this point. And you'd be like, yeah, I'd publish that right now. And so there's different ways. I just, you know, as we look at it, there are so many things that are right at our doorstep that suddenly in this next, over this next two to three years, uh, it's going to be what's going to happen is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, this will definitely have to be a whole other podcast because, you know, like my background is technology in this industry. And I mean, like yesterday, Sunday is the day I spend doing like my meal plan for the week. And, you know, I got two small kids and that's a challenge in itself. I actually had ChatGPT plan my whole week of meals and it actually went and grabbed me links to the recipes and then generated me a whole grocery list organized by department in the grocery store. Right? So, I mean, like, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, hmm. I had chat GPT plan my week of meals out and tell me where to, what aisle to go to in the yes. grocery store. Yes. Like, I mean, the stuff this thing can do. And so, I mean, I've been toying around with the idea of coming up with like ways salons can be like queuing up different email blasts. And like, you can even right. say to it, okay, 
look at this page on my website, rewrite it from the perspective of a Gen Z climate activist and wanting to come to my salon, right? So you can tell it to do all sorts of things and rewrite it using different language. And you can say, okay, mm, I kind of like this. Can you make this a little bit punchier or, you know, a little bit more thoughtful or motive you can do all sorts of things with it so yeah like i, I could talk all day about it obviously. well it's probably not going to be long as i sit here and think about it. it's probably not going to be long before they know how i want it written for me and the way yeah. i read a website will be unique to how i want to read it versus how you read a website which would be unique to how you want to read it yeah. uh like you know they just oh. got to know they're just one little like one retinal scan away or something <laughs> from you know what i mean i don't know it's crazy yeah. It is, it is very, it's, it's interesting. So I find it equal doses of scary and also super intriguing. Yes. Like, you know, um, what it can completely do. Completely with you. Yeah. Completely yeah, with yeah. you. So, you know, bringing this back on course, we'll definitely have to have another discussion about that. Bringing this back on course though, going back to the five things you shared, I think it is really important for us to recognize the generational piece and recognize it from a different lens and not view the word flexibility as something that they directly relate to work, meaning their schedule, because it might not mean that at all. They might just mean look at flexibility overall, because if they are career-minded, meaning they want career development and purpose and intent, these are people that are willing to work hard just might look different than the way you perceive work as Absolutely. far as that goes. So this has been, you know, this has been great. Like I said, man, we could talk a, a ton more. Uh, we didn't even really get into, but I kind of want to just honor the time that that uh, for people that are listening and just whatnot, the way we want to deliver these as well. But and we didn't even scratch the surface yet about, we can already see the impact of what this can mean. We could have a whole other whole podcast just on things we talked about today and how that impacts just the business profitability wise and productivity wise and, and staff and client retention wise and all the critical numbers that we love to talk about the smart side of the business, but so necessary, you know, there's all these things just linked together, um, you know, as far as that goes, but this has been, I think really, really awesome. And there's already more here uh, that's going to need, Let's put it this way. If this is your first time listening to it, back it up right now. Go back to the beginning and do it again because I know you missed something in there uh, with something that Valerie dropped or some really cool resource or tool. Now, I'm going to go back all the way to the beginning. You talked about some really cool resources and tools that you have that are physical. We talked about eco heads and the savings of water, and there are other just physical product pieces that if you want to get yourself more into the, the idea of, of sustainability and what can we do that also translate directly to profit, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Um, along with the fact too, you also mentioned like so some really great resources uh, for marketing and some pieces like that on the website. Um, where, where can we find all this? Where, where do we need to go? So um, all it's hosted on our website, which is sustainbeauty.co. Um, And there's a whole section called Salon Resources Hub, and it's got getting started guides. It's got a checklist for sustainability with 70 different ideas organized by kind of like area of the business that will help you be more sustainable. Um, And then we've got a whole marketing toolkit that maybe I'm going to have to add some chat GBT stuff to. But there's a whole marketing toolkit that's just going to help you rethink how perhaps you can actually talk about what you're already doing 
and maybe some inspiration on, you know, how to get a little bit further down the, the road with sustainability. Right. Love it. Love it. So sustainbeauty.co, not com, yeah. just CO. But if you forget that, just put in sustain beauty in Google and it's number one on your search anyway. So boom, you know, right there, mm-hmm. uh, you, you found it. And again, great resources all the way from great products that can impact your company uh, to also great resources uh, as well. Uh, Valerie, this has been awesome, phenomenal. We definitely need to talk more about the whole like technology piece, uh, which would be a fascinating conversation. And again, even continue this into how does how does some of the stuff we just talked about now directly translate again to just bottom line and business growth and all that, you know, all that stuff at the core as well. So, but, uh, but appreciate it. Um, love it. Uh, you know, any final, any final nugget to share that you'd like to share anything that's still right there that you got to Oh, I just wanted to share this. I want to say this one thing. Um, you know, I I think we covered quite a bit. I mean, I, I do think that, um, you know, again, whatever you do, um, just honor what you're doing today you know, and don't beat yourself up. Progress, not perfection. If I can leave you with one thing, it's that, you know, just it's important to try and have good intentions. And I think that will pay dividends. Um, You know, empathy is number one in leadership. So just showing, you know, some vulnerability and intention, I think is going to go pay dividends in your personal and professional life. So um, uh, if you guys would like to talk about it more, you know where to find me and I'll also be at the strategies conference. So um, please come say hello. There we go. That's right. We will see you in the fall and uh, appreciate it. So, all right. Well, again, thank you everyone out there that's listened. Uh, Again, this has been awesome. We definitely will have Valerie back in the future for sure, because there's so much more to talk about. But with that in mind, you guys have a great rest of your day, whatever that means. And uh, we'll see you on our next podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Beauty Business Strategies Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to hit follow and please share the episode link with anyone who you think could benefit from today's content. To learn more about how strategies can help create more fun, profit, and growth potential for you, your company, and your team, we invite you to schedule a free 60-minute strategy session by clicking the direct link in the description of this episode. There, you'll also find links to our wide array of coaching, seminar, and learning opportunities, all of which can be found at strategies.com. 